The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. It's certainly different to be preaching um, like this um, and when I can't see everyone, but um, I'm really encouraged. I've been encouraged this whole week um, just thinking about the fact that whether we're in person together um, or whether we're at home um, or in our bedrooms or watching it on a, on a, on a stream on TV. Uh, this is God's Word and, and it's a privilege to share from God's Word uh, this morning. And so um, I hope that this morning as we, we look into chapter 9 that you'll be encouraged. I want to start us off by praying um, just to commit this, I guess, this new time um, to the hands of the Lord. Um, and then we'll jump into our sermon for this morning. Uh, let's pray. Father... Lord, this is different um, and it's new, but Lord God, we thank you for your gift of technology. We thank you that we live in an age where we can still meet online, Lord God. We can still unpack your word, read your word, um, and be encouraged and challenged by what your word has to say. Uh, thank you for this book of Daniel and thank you for this chapter that we're going to unpack this morning. Um, we pray that as we, we do so as a church, um, Lord God, that you would um, encourage us and challenge us um, as we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so for those who don't know me, if you're, you're tuning in uh, for the first time or, or you've um, only been coming for a few weeks, my name is Anoj. Um, I've been coming to PCC for most of my life, um, all 24 years of it now. Um, it's a privilege to share from, from God's Word. Um, no doubt you guys are probably sitting at home and it feels different, um, and we're going to get used to that in some degree, spending more and more time at home. And I've been thinking for myself, you know, if I'm stuck at home, I'm, I like to be out my family tells me I'm out too much. But if I'm at home, what, what am I going to be doing with my time? Um, and for me, one of the big things I'll be doing is watching TV. Um, I love watching TV. Um, and one of my favorite TV shows is Hawaii Five-0. I'm not sure if you guys watch it, uh, but I challenge you and I encourage you guys to get onto it if you, you haven't. Hawaii Five-0 is, is a police TV drama. Um, and I love cop shows. I have since I was a kid. And there's, there's a lot of good things that happen and come out of it. But... For me, there's one time that's one thing that's always frustrating, one thing that always annoys me, and that's this. It's when the main character, the good guy, has a gun on the side of his hip or her hip, but chooses to, to be this cool hotshot policeman or woman and fight this bad guy with bare fists. And I sit there going, you've, you've got such a big and powerful weapon in your holster, and you're choosing to fight with bare fists when you can take this guy down using the weapon you've got. And I've been really reflecting on, on, uh, on that and thinking about that and it reminded me that sometimes that's actually what we do with prayer. Prayer is a, a powerful weapon that God has given us as believers, a tool that He's given us to, to, to help us through the, the good and the bad times. Yet so often as Christians, prayer is the last resort. Prayer is the thing that we keep in the holster until our hands have worn out, until we've tried everything else under the sun. And this morning as we unpack Daniel 9, we're going to see that Daniel sets an example for what it means to, to be a prayerful person, and in particular, to pray in the midst of difficult circumstances. We've been journeying through chapter 7 and 8, and we're heading through chapter 12 for the book of Daniel, and a lot of that is about the end times, about things that are coming that are ahead, and it's very challenging circumstances, and we see again and again that Daniel is a prayerful person. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to unpack chapter 9. And if you have your Bibles or your phones, um, I want to encourage you to grab them out. Um, we're going to be reading Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 through to 19 this morning. 
This is what it says. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Medi by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his command, sorry, keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole, under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord, our God, by turning from our sins and giving attention to the, your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, we, yet we have not obeyed him. Verse 15, Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn for all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. So as we unpack those 19-odd verses this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to do two things. Um, the first thing we're going to look at is what prayer looks like, what true prayer looks like. And we're going to unpack four aspects that we're going to draw out from Daniel's prayer about what it means to be a man or woman that's prayerful in all things, and, and in particular, in the midst of difficult circumstances. And secondly, what we're going to look at is how we can do that. How can we actually pray like that? So what it is and how we can do it. So let's dive straight in. What 
does this kind of prayer look like? Now, I want to give us this morning four aspects or four characteristics, um, and I'm calling them the, calling them the four R's because they all start with the letter of letter R, um, and they are these. These are they are these. Um, true prayer is responsive. It's rooted. It's reflective, and it's real. So it's responsive, rooted, reflective, and real. So let's dive into the first one. True prayer is responsive. One of the things that we see as we unpack this passage, and indeed the book of Daniel, is that Daniel is a man that responds to God regularly in prayer. Let's remember the the context here, right? Chapter um, 7 and 8, we've seen some scary stuff. We've seen uh, beasts coming out of the, the, the earth, and they look crazy, and we, we can barely even imagine what they look like. We see the wrath of God being poured out. We see all these things happening. And in a wider sense, the people of Israel, in their context, they've been in exile for, for almost 70 years. They've been away from their city, from, from, from where their ancestors grew up, from the places where the great stories of Israel uh, are spoken of. And if they're anything like you and I, they're, they're probably sitting there going, God, where are you in this mess? Where are you in this crazy time that we live, you, live in? Why are you seemingly silent? And we see in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9 that Daniel responds in a really interesting way. Let, let's read again what, he says, what it says in verse 2 and 3. He's reading, he, he reads a portion of um, the book of Jeremiah, and it says in verse 2, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with Him in prayer and in petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. See, what what did Daniel do? Daniel prayed. And if we read the entire book of Daniel, we see that Daniel did that so often in the midst of, of very difficult circumstances. Back in chapter 6, we see that when the the king put out a rule that says that they cannot worship any other god or person, Daniel's immediate response is to go to his room, to get down on his knees and to pray. Not just once, but in fact he prays three times every single day. Daniel was a man that responded to God in prayer in the midst of, of the storms of this life. For Daniel, prayer was not a weapon he kept in the holster. For Daniel, it was an immediate, a first response to what he reads in Scripture and and, and to God himself. And so when he reads what the prophet Jeremiah says, he, he doesn't get up and run to the Babylonian rulers and say to them, your time is coming where you're going to be humiliated. Although he could have done that. He doesn't even go to the people of God and say, get excited, rescue is coming, it's prophesied, it's almost here. He could have done that. But Daniel chooses his first response to be to pray. He chooses to humble himself before God, to put on sackcloth and ashes as a sign of his humility, to fast as a sign of his desperation, to pray boldly before God. Friends, I want, to, I want to challenge you this morning. Is that you in, in, in this situation right now and the way you find yourself? Are you like Daniel? Can you say that you're someone who, when the storms of life come, your response is to get down on your knees and pray? Or for you is 
prayer more of a secondary afterthought, something that happens when you've exhausted all other options. Perhaps for you, prayer is the thing that you do when your money fails you, when your friends and family fail you, when your workplace fails you, when even maybe the people of God sometimes let you down. Maybe only then do you choose to go to God in prayer. Friends, as we, as we read in the book of Daniel, and in particular this chapter, we, we need to see that prayer ought to be our first response. See, we live in a culture which tends to, to diminish prayer, where it's easy for us to think that we need to be doing stuff very practically, very hands-on now, and absolutely we do. And so sometimes, though, we tend to fall into the trap that, that seems to say that prayer is just, it's a, it's a, it's a religious box to tick. It's something that's not necessarily effective or, or practical or, or really helpful. But as Christians, as believers, we need to see that prayer is so much more than a religious box to tick. It's a powerful weapon that God has given us for, for this life in the midst of the, the deepest battles and valleys of, the li- of life and also um, for, the, for the high point from the tips of the mountains. John Piper, in his, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, Um, He's writing about missions, but he says something really interesting about prayer. Listen to what he says. He says, Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. Friends, when we read chapter 9, when we read the book of Daniel, and when we think about prayer, where does our heart sit? Is prayer for us a domestic intercom? Something we choose to to use when we want more stuff from God? Or when we're faced with the difficult circumstances of life, do we use it as a a tool, as a weapon, as a wartime walkie-talkie that God has given us for this time? See, prayer for Daniel was an immediate response. And it ought to be the same for us. You know, we're living in times where, where things are changing. You know, maybe you're, you're someone who's used to going out and being around with people. You're used to being out 9, 12, 15 hours a day. Maybe you're, you're used to spending your time in much different ways away from home, and yet now you find yourself stuck in home, at home. You find yourself in a position where our, our jobs might be on the line. And there's a lot of uncertainty as to what our society is going to look like, what our lives are going to look like, what our families are going to look like. In the midst of that situation, when your heart is gripped by anxiety, I want to challenge you this morning that, that prayer ought to be the first thing we turn to. That when, when the, the, the waves of anxiety swell up in our hearts, we have the courage to come down onto our knees before God. And say, God, you know, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. But I'm going to respond to you in prayer. I'm going to come before you in your presence and lay it all before you. Friends, I want to challenge you this morning to make prayer your first response. Make prayer a response of your heart in all situations of life. And so that's the first element that we we can see here. that, That prayer is a first response. It's responsive. But how on earth can Daniel pray to God in the midst of the trying times. How can he actually do that? Like, how does that make sense? And that takes us to the second thing that we see in Daniel's prayer. And that's that prayer is rooted. 
It's not just reflect, uh, sorry, it's not just um, responsive, it's, it's rooted. In fact, it's rooted in the character of our God. Throughout this prayer, on, on five, six, seven occasions, Daniel makes declaratory statements, either explicitly or by inference, that, that show and declare something about the character of our God. And he litters his whole prayer with them. It's not just at the start or at the end or somewhere in the middle. It's regular. It's continually coming forward as we read it. Look at, look at verse 4 where he says that, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. He's in the, the midst of a 70-year exile and he's reminding himself that the God that he serves still is great and awesome. He still keeps his covenant of love towards him even when he doesn't see it. Or perhaps maybe even you look at verse 7 where he declares that God is righteous. Verse 14, he says a similar thing and he's reminding himself that all of God's ways are just and right. And that includes taking them into exile for 70 odd years. It includes the persecution that they might have felt and, and endured during that time. It includes all the hard times that they've had to endure before that. He's declaring and reminding and rooting his prayer in the fact that God is a righteous and almighty God. In verse 9, he declares that God is merciful and he's forgiving which is really pointed for the people of Israel because as we're going to see later on, they desperately needed to repent. They were desperately sinful. And so in doing so, by reminding himself that God is merciful and forgiving, he's reminding his own heart that when he comes and he does repent, that he's got a God that listens, that, that is merciful, loving, caring, and forgiving. Or verse 15, where he, he declares and remembers that, that God was the one that brought them out of captivity before. He brought them out of captivity in Egypt, and he's declaring, he's rooting himself in the truth that if God can bring them out of Egypt, he can bring them out of Babylon as well. See, true prayer ought to always be rooted and based in the character of who God is, his character that he reveals to us in his word. I want you to think about um, a, a, an analogy, right? I'm sure you've, you can probably picture this in your head. Imagine there's a boat, right? There's a boat on, on, on some, um, some nice calm waters, but then the waters start to, to, to move around and it gets a little bit more choppy. And one of the first things that many captains would do is, is what? It's to put the anchor down to drop the anchor deep into the, the, the bed of the sea floor so that no matter where the wind and the waves go, the boat stays in a particular spot. And that's, in, in essence, what praying and rooting our prayers in the character of God does. That when we're, we're, we're in a situation where our friends have really let us down and hurt us, we're reminding ourselves that God is the great and ultimate friend. That he hasn't let us down or forsaken us. When we're, we're anxious about what the future holds and where the, the next few weeks and months um, um, are headed as a, as a nation or in our lives, we're reminding ourselves that God is the sovereign, awesome God, the covenant-keeping God who will not forsake us. Prayer ought to always be rooted in the truth of who God is and His character. And so this morning, I want to, to invite you to, to think about your own heart. Think about where you sit and stand right now. When, whether it be this coronavirus situation or other things. Maybe, maybe you're in a situation where 
you expected more from your family members, but your family is just a little bit on the rocks at the moment. Or maybe you've got some real relational tension with someone that's been close to you. Or maybe there's that, there's that sin in your life and you, you think, oh, how can I get rid of that? How can I be, be rid of this sin? And you feel like you, you can't overcome. I want to challenge you this morning to root your, your heart in the character of God, remembering who He is and letting that be the, 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 the food that your heart feasts on, as it were. And so that's our, our second point this morning, that prayer is, yes, responsive, but it's also rooted, rooted in the character of God. But then that leads us to our third point, and it leads us to a, a point where we, we now need to engage and where it can be a little bit scary and frustrating for us, and that is that true prayer is also reflective. And in particular, what we see in this passage is that, yes, Daniel's reflecting on the situation as a whole, but we see in particular that that Daniel is really reflecting on the state of his and the people of Israel's heart. Because what he reads, as he, as he reads Leviticus, if you had a chance to, to turn, um, turn there, you can read in Leviticus that, that God prophesied, God foresaw that this could happen. And he's reading, he's reading other scriptures and he, he sees that the reason that God has allowed them to go into exile is because of their sin, is because of their disobedience and their unfaithfulness to their covenant-keeping God. And so he, he, as he reflects on, 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 on who God is and, and, and the situation they're in, one of the things he realizes for him is that God is trying to show them something about their own hearts. That God is trying to challenge them and, and shine a light in their hearts and help them to see how sinful and disobedient they've been. And that's why our, the prayer that we've read is so littered with statements of remorse and repentance. Look at verse 5, for example, where he says, We have sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked and have rebelled. Or verse 7, where he says that, that God is righteous, but we, this day, we are covered with shame. And you can take out common, uh, a number of common examples from that prayer where he just constantly is repenting and saying, God, we are so wrong, we are so sinful. And what we can see is that when we come before God in humility, when we pray, when we root our prayers in the character of God, one of the things that can often happen is that God can shine a light in our own hearts. That's not to say that, you know, whenever we go through a difficult time, God is punishing us and berating us. But one thing that we do know as we read Scripture is that so often God allows difficult times to come in because He wants to challenge us. And He uses circumstances to challenge and expose sins and, and other areas of our, our heart that need to be reformed and changed. For me, many of you guys know, um, I've been through a number of knee injuries. Um, and for me, it was, it was, it was demoralizing um, because I love my sport. Um, and the thought of not playing sport for 18 months times by two um, was, was unbearable at some points. But on both occasions, and it's, it's funny that God um, needed to let me go through two of these things for me to actually realize this. But on both occasions, I can definitively say that what God was doing in the midst of that trial was refining my heart and purifying my heart from idolatry of sport. Because I used to sit here in this very church on a Sunday morning thinking about the footy game that I played the day before during the sermon. And I'd come on a Friday night to youth group and I'd sit down and whilst the person is talking, I'd be only thinking about the football game that's coming up tomorrow. Some of the, the young adults here will remember the, the time at, at youth where I, I said in a small group that my only worry in life was the weather on a Saturday. 
because I wanted it to make sure it wasn't raining so I could play sport. And God showed me very clearly that when that was taken away from me, how much my heart was so intertwined deeply with that. And he used that time to refine my heart, to to rid my heart of of an idolatrous sport. And now, even since that, to continually remind me that this is a a danger and I need to continually be careful and and, and mindful of it. And it's similar for, for many other situations that we go through. You know, maybe, and, and he'll mention that just beforehand that, you know, this is a challenging time because the things that maybe you've been putting your, your, your hope and trust in your job, your, your relationships, your, your money, your, um, your social, social ability, they're all being taken away and it, it, it can be challenging. Or maybe you're going through other circumstances in life where you, you, you're seeing that, you know, you're working hard and, and you're, you're doing well, but really maybe God's showing you that there's, a, there's an idol in there. Or maybe God's allowing um, other challenges to come into your life and your relationships and things like that because He wants to show you that maybe this is something that you need to repent of. And as we come before God in prayer and we humble ourselves before Him, we're on our knees before Him, something that God often and, and, and will do is to show, shine a light into our hearts and show us how He wants us to grow, even in the midst of hard circumstances, which may not be our fault, but He's refining us and challenging us as we pray. So prayer is reflective. It reflects on who God is, yes, but also it shines a light into our own hearts. And finally, prayer is real. The fourth and final characteristic of it is prayer is real. I find it really interesting, and, and, and I, I, when I first read it, I was a little bit shocked. Um, in verses 17 through to 19, how bold and, and unfiltered Daniel is when he prays. I can't imagine how he could say to God Almighty, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, hear, open your eyes. If I said that to my parents, I'd get a smack across the head. But he's completely open and raw with his God saying, God, come on. He doesn't hide behind just theological statements. Sometimes for us as Christians, we can come to prayer thinking that we have to package all of our hurts and all of our hard um, situations and, and put it with a nice little bow in front of God. We think that God Almighty is somehow scared of our fears, our anxieties, our pain, our hurts. We're, we're scared to show God that this really hurts. But Daniel is not. Daniel says, Lord, listen! Exclamation mark. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. He's pleading with God. He's done the reflecting, he's, he's, re, he's repented, he's, he's acknowledged his need um, for that. And now he comes boldly before God and says, God, this is what I see the need to be right now. I need you to take your wrath away from the people of Israel, to set us free from captivity. Daniel is pleading with God to hear his cry. He's not hiding his desperation at all. And for us as, as believers, we have that privilege, privilege as well that we can come before God and, and bring all of our fears. We can come before God and say, Lord, this really hurts. This is really scary. I, I don't know what's going on. And right now, God, I, I, I don't understand what you're doing. We, we can come boldly and honestly before God and lay it at His feet. We can come and, and bring our physical needs and say, God, I, I've been sick for so long, but... but I know you can heal, but I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's hurtful. 
We can bring our anxieties and our fears about what's happening in our world, whether it be the coronavirus or the, the way that our society is, is running away from Christian um, beliefs, whether it be the things that are being taught to the children in school, whether it be the, the, the wars that are being um, started or rumors of it, whether it be political leaders that we don't understand coming to power, all of these things, we can come before God and be real. And we see that in Daniel chapter 9, that Daniel is real in his prayer. Daniel is honest before his God. And so they're the, the four characteristics that we see that prayer in the midst of difficult and hard circumstances is responsive. It's a first response and it's rooted in the character of God. And as we do that, we find ourselves reflecting on, on our own hearts and our own needs, but it doesn't stop us from being real before God. And, and being honest and, and humble before Him. And so that takes us then to our last big point. So we looked at the what, what it is, but how do we actually do something like this? Because I know when I was reading this um, and when I was thinking about it, there's, there's, kinda, there's one question that kind of just keeps coming back and it's kind of along the same lines of, yeah, but how do I know? Like, you know, Daniel, yeah, it's Graham. He's been rescued from the lion's den, so he probably knew that. But when I look at my situation, I don't see how God is sovereign in the midst of my situation. When I, when I read the, the promises of God, sometimes I, I don't see or, see or feel it necessarily right now um, the way that I think I, I should or, or feel or see. How, how can we actually know? How can we actually pray like Daniel prays? How can we pray when we see cases getting worse? when relationships don't heal, when our greatest fears become a reality, how do we pray like this? How can we continue to pray like this? How can we trust God? Friends, I believe that this morning there's, there's one clear answer that's given in our text. Because Daniel, as I've said, he's, he's, he's rooting his prayer in a lot of things. But there's, there's one theme that seems to, to be at the very base. There's one truth that he, he roots the, the back end of his prayer. And that comes in, in verse 15. And we see kind of like almost a turn in the, in, the, in, in the passage where he says, Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people, of, people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned and done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have been have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. How can Daniel pray like that and how can we pray? The answer we see is that Daniel was only able to pray like this because he, he, he knew about the righteous acts of God. He knew, he was reflecting on the fact that God had already delivered them beforehand. He had proven his faithfulness again and again. That even when in Egypt, when they maybe had those doubts for 400 years, God proved himself to be faithful. And on the, in all the stories since then, God's proved himself to be faithful. And for us as believers, we have an even greater, uh, greater story to root our hope in. See, Daniel was praying that, that the wrath of God will be taken away from the holy hill of, in, in Jerusalem. And he was praying that the scorn will be taken away from the people. Friends, as Christians, we, we have the privilege of seeing that the only reason that God could take his wrath away from, that, from the holy hill was if that wrath was turned to a different hill. 
The only way that, that God could take away the scorn from those people and the shame from those people is if the shame and the scorn went to someone else. For us as Christians, we root our hearts in the fact that on the hill of Calvary, Jesus paid the price once and for all. Jesus secured once and forever the love and the, the, the affirmation, affection of our God. Because he was the one that was forsaken, we can know that in the midst of our deepest storms, we will never be left um, alone or forsaken. We will never be abandoned because our God has already shown once and for all that he's committed to us. He does keep his covenant of love, that he is the great and awesome God. He's the righteous one and the merciful one. And so this morning, as we come towards a close, I want to challenge you to see that. Because it's when we see the all-powerful God, the one who willingly submitted himself unto death and the road of suffering in order to restore us into his family, when we see that, that's where we find the power and the hope to pray like Daniel, to take out the weapon from the holster as it were, and to say, God, I, I don't know, I can't see what you're doing right now, but I can see the greatest thing that you have done. And that you have already redeemed me, you've already saved me. And so even though, yes, these fears are real, I'm going to continue to pray and be real before you, yes. But I can trust and know that you are my God, that you are committed to me, that you love me, even when I don't get the way, get the things that I want, even when I don't see all the answers. And we can continually come boldly before God in prayer, reflecting on our own hearts and being reminded of who God is and the fact that in all things, He's the one that's in control. He's the supreme God in the midst of all troubles and triumphs. And so as we come to a close, I want to challenge you to think about that this morning, to pray and reflect on your own hearts as we, as we do church differently, as, as maybe the, 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 the future um, for, for society for the next few months looks different. I want to challenge you to bring your heart before God. Uh, everywhere you guys are now, just at home, I want to give you guys just a minute to bring your hearts before the Lord and, and, and be real before God. Be honest, be root your prayers before him. Um, and then I'll close us off in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this amazing gift. Lord, we thank you that you've given us a, a direct walkie-talkie to you. That Lord, even when the, the, the bullets are flying overhead in the midst of the battle and the storms are swirling. We thank you that we can come before you. We thank you, Lord, that we can come before a God who is all-powerful, all who's sovereign, who's in control, who's all-knowing, who's all-loving, who's kind and merciful and righteous. We thank you that we can come before you and lay our hearts before you, our fears our frustrations, our hurts. We thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. And we thank you, Lord, God, that just like you heard Daniel's prayer, Lord, you hear our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you that once and for all, you have purchased for us sonship, Lord God, being welcomed into your family. And so because we are part of your family, we're your sons and your daughters, we can know that we can pray like this that we have a God who hears, who listens, who's not dismissive, who doesn't tell us to throw away all of our hurts and pains and then come before him. Rather, Lord God, you're a God that wants us to bring our anxieties, our fears and our pain before you, before your throne, to lay it at your feet and, and experience your warm embrace and your love. 
Father, be with us as we journey through a, a new season as a society, but also as a church. Lord, help us to continue to love one another, to pray for one another, to, to, to bring before you the needs of our fellow brothers and sisters. Um, and Lord God, I pray that in all things we will trust that you are the supreme and mighty God and that we'll cling to you just like Daniel did, just like the great cloud of witnesses has for all eternity past. Lord, I pray that you would make us like them. Lord God, that you would make our hearts, you would draw our hearts to be just like that, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church Podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.